You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Mavericks for Monday, November 14th. It's a game day, and it's also a solo podcast day. So if uh, you're not in favor of that or you don't like listening to me for 10 to 15 minutes at a time, I don't care. I got your download already. Got you. But uh, thank you for listening to Locked on Mavericks. We're part of the uh, the larger Locked on podcast network. There's a Locked on Cowboys out there, which I imagine is just like the Cheshire Cat, just sitting up in his tree, smoking a pipe, enjoying his day. Just great success. This is a little bit different because we are locked on Mavericks. We know more about your team than probably you do or just about anybody, so you should listen to us. We do post-game shows. We do radio shows on the Dallas Mavericks in particular, so thank you for listening. My name is Mike Marshall. Uh, we are brought to you by SeatGeek, which is the best online ticket broker for your dollar. Uh, coming up in November, late November the 26th, we've got Kanye West coming through Dallas. We've got Redskins at Cowboys November 24th. And, of course, any Dallas Mavericks game tickets that you want to get into, we can uh, we can do that as well. Just uh, download that SeatGeek app on your phone, uh, Android or iPhone. Throw it on there. Go to the Me tab and uh, put the promo code LOMAVS, as in locked on Mavs, in that, uh, that promo code entry area. And that'll save you 20 bucks off your first purchase via the SeatGeek app. So there you go. We saved you some money. You got to the event you wanted to go to. You saved time because they gather all the tickets from other vendors and put them in one spot for you. They grade the seat, so you're not going to get taken on a bad deal. Green is for good. Red is for bad. And plus, man, we're going to save you 20 bucks. And that's what you really care about, saving some money, uh, getting out to the events you want to be at, being on the scene for a Mavericks game, for a Cowboys Thanksgiving game, for Kanye at the AAC again. So there you go. SeatGeek's the best, and we appreciate their support. What we're going to do today... Since it is a game day, and since it is a solo pod, what we're going to do is preview the New York Knicks of New York, um, because there's a game tonight, 6.30 p.m. in the Garden, uh, and the Mavericks have had, will have had uh, almost, what, 119 hours since their previous game in this little weird scheduling quirk that we're going through at the moment, where they played last Wednesday and then aren't going to play until uh, today, which is the following Monday. So weird little little trick there for you. So don't have a game that you over. We did uh, things we think we know on last episode, but this episode, let's focus on the opponent that's coming up, which is the New York Knicks, which is a uh, interesting team. Um, if you look at it from the optics of it all, the Knicks were awful last year. They won 32 games. They leaned on Aaron Aflalo as a secondary uh, score. Their second leading score was Aaron Aflalo. Just let that sink in for you. There was the emergence of Chris Dabbs, which was super fun. Uh, mellow is the constant. He's just going to be there doing the most mellow things possible. So they decided that wasn't good enough. And, uh, so what they did in typical Knicks fashion over the off season is acquire some big name guys that, uh, of course they don't fit together. Of course they're probably over the hill and of course they're going to overpay. And they acquired Joe Kim Noah, uh, in free agency from the, uh, Chicago Bulls. He was let out of his contract after playing like hardly any games in his final two years, just kept getting hurt. I remember the injury against Dallas 
uh, whenever the Bulls played him. Looked like his shoulder just came straight out of socket uh, for like the third time in two years. But uh, hey, don't tell the Knicks yet, that yet uh, because they signed him up for four years, $17 million starting this year, 17 7 the year after, 18 5 in 2018 19, and then 19.3 in the 2019 2020 season. So that should be a ton of fun. And we talked about. Joe Kim Noah not being that different to Andrew Bogut um, to us at this point in his career, and I stand by that. Same age, almost the same exact skill set, almost same exact uh, regiment that they need to be placed on. Noah is a 24-minute-a-game guy right now, not playing that well um, on the court, but we can get some more of that later. And, of course, they traded for Derrick Rose from the Bulls, who has this year left in his contract, and then nothing. He can be free. So you got to make a decision on Derrick Rose after seeing him for 82 games in a rape case <laughs> hanging over his head for a large majority of this season. you got to make a decision on your starting point guard. And uh, both those moves are not my kind of moves, but uh, they're the most Knicks moves possible. And they also bring in um, Courtney Lee on a four-year deal, uh, 11.2 this year, and then uh, normal raises up until 1920 season. He'll be, he'll be making 12.8 million. So... Everything's kind of locked in for them. They got Mello for this year, the next year, and the next. Noah for three after this year, and then Courtney Lee for three years after this year. And also Lance Thomas. They had Lance Thomas uh, for a four-year deal, so three years after this one as well. The Knicks this season are three and six with wins over Brooklyn, Chicago, and Memphis. And what's really odd about them is uh, they've gone so heavy on their starting lineup in terms of playing them. Uh, 129 minutes together for their starting lineup they like that core to be together they want that core to grow together apparently because it's not a good lineup overall it's a uh, negative 3.8 net rating uh they don't dominate rebounds offensively defensively they don't move the ball well they're just the most average uh in terms of production from a lineup and specifically offensively they are a supremely average offense they score 101.9 points per game, which is 18th. They're uh, 34% from three, which is also 18th in the league. They only shoot 23 threes a game, which is bottom 10 in the league. 44.7% from the field overall, which is fine. That's fine. Um, but 11th in pace, and that's where it starts to come unraveled. If you're a top, you know, fringe top 10 team in pace, and you're only scoring 101.9 points per game, that's not enough points for those possessions. You can do that simple math in your head and do your points per possession um, of 101.9 uh, on 100 possessions a game. That's not going to work. So their offense isn't good, but it's perfectly average. Um, a couple things they do well. They are top 10 in offensive rebounding. They are the best post-op. Uh, low post up team in the league, which is kind of silly because it's kind of what the league's trying to get away from is, uh, you know, isolation on the block and uh, a suboptimal shot. They're really good off cuts whenever they're going at the basket, but where their bread is buttered is in post ups. And that means a lot of mellow working on the block and isolation and uh, a lot of Porzingis, Kristaps Porzingis working on the block. And Chris Stapps is actually really good on pick and roll as well. Um, but he is, you might be thinking at this exact moment, you can't really run a pick and roll dive and do a post up at the same time. So you have to choose 
Um, they're not two offensive plays or two offensive sets that run off each other necessarily. And the thing that you should be worrying about most if you're a Knicks fan or if uh, you're just interested in the team is the redundancy between Porzingis and Carmelo and forcing them to play together. And now you've got their positional, uh, I guess, positional positions locked in because Noah is your high-paid starting center. Sliding Porzingis up to center made a lot more sense to me um, and stretching out other teams' centers to the perimeter and making them chase him and then whenever he wanted to post up. But no, you got Noah in there clogging up the lane uh, while Porzingis and Melo just try to uh, try to generate offense, and they're really good at it. I mean, they're, Melo is still a spectacular player. Top 10 talent, most talented player in the league offensively, uh, and Porzingis can fill it up with ease. But the redundancy between your four and your who you're playing at three, which is Melo, they're, they're, they're staggering. They both want to shoot uh, long jumpers. They both want, both want to post up. And I don't know where Noah fits in any of this. Here's a couple things they don't do very well on the offensive end. They don't share the ball. They're uh, bottom 10 in a turnover to assist ratio. They're awful in transition, as you might imagine, with Melo, Noah, and Kristaps Porzingis. They're 28th in points per possession in transition. And they are awful in pick and roll outside of uh, outside of Porzingis. They're 27th in points per possession off of uh, pick and roll man. So their offense is perfectly average. They try and force this lineup into working together. Uh, it doesn't, um, on the whole, as a you know a six and or a three and six team, you might uh, you might expect that to have a negative net rating. But they they're really trying to force this uh, the starting lineup to work together, and it doesn't make any sense to me. But they're still getting average offense, and on some nights really good offense. But they're third worst in net rating, which is the difference between your offensive rating and your defensive rating. And so you kind of figured it out. Their defense is awful. They allow 109.8 points per game defensively, which is kind of difficult to do. Their last two games, Boston scored 115 on them, and then Toronto scored 118. Their average loss is by 17.5 points. So when they start getting uh, getting beat, or they start getting you know um, the scales tip on the scoreboard, they get dismantled. Overall, half-court defense, uh, 30th in points per possession. There are only 30 teams in the league. They're really bad at defending the three. They let their apparent opponent shoot 27 of them a game and make 37%. You'll take that every single game if you're drawing up a formula to, uh, to a beat, a, beat a team like New York or anybody that's not top 10 in offense. They're really awful at uh, at closing out on spot-ups. On spot-up shots, they're dead last in points per possession allowed on spot-up shooting. So they don't close out on anyone, and you might imagine that. With You just look at Melo, you look at Porzingis, you look at Noah. They're not exactly swift of foot on the defensive end or quick twitch to get out there and get a hand up in your face. And thus, they are last in the league at uh, points per possession allowed on spot-ups. Chris Stapps is particularly awful. He's allowing 1.45 points per possession on spot-ups. And people know it. Teams are getting savvy to it. Because they've used it 37 possessions this year. Where they make him chase somebody out to the perimeter, or out to a long two, and he just can't get out there. He's very talented, very young, got a lot of room to grow. That 
is not a skill set of his. He's got to get better at that. And I understand being scared to get blown by, but you got Noah back there now. You're at least paying him to play center, paying him a large money to play center and protect the rim. Let him do it. You can't let people nuke you from the outside on simple spot-ups. Porzingis is also terrible at defending the roll man on a uh, on a pick and roll. 1.58 points per possession allowed. That is awful. We talked, uh, I think, last time we were on here about you know 1.1 being like good. That's top. You know, that'll be get you about top 12 in the league in most kind of uh, kind of possessions. 1.58 is just horrendous in defending the dive man on a pick and roll. So they can't hide Porzingis. He's bad at a lot of things defensively. They do a decent job of hiding Mello, honestly. Maybe just Mello just doesn't chase and let somebody else pick up the guy. But two really bad defenders at your three and your four. Um, And that's what this team looks like. 30th in points per possession and half-court defense. They're really great at fouling the hell out of you. They'll uh, they'll spot you eight-plus free throws uh, a game more than they're going to take. And that's on average. On average, they let you shoot eight more free throws a game than they do. So once you get in the paint, you're going to get hacked. Just get ready for it. And be ready to shoot 30 free throws and outpace them on the uh, on the scoreboard because of the charity stripe. Bad news for the Mavs is that uh, the Knicks are good at post-ups. The Mavs are really bad at defending post-ups. They're second worst in field goal percentage allowed within five feet. And that's where the Knicks' bread is buttered in the post with Mello and Porzingis. I don't see an issue with uh, Harrison Barnes getting loose on either one of them. I think he's going to have a really huge game. Um, but you've got to be, you got to bow your back a little bit whenever they start trying to run post-ups at you continuously. So that's the uh, the character profile of the New York Knicks. Um, perfectly average offense. Good at uh, getting the ball deep and posting up. And uh, just abysmal on defense and prone to getting blown out by 17-plus points whenever they start taking that L. They just go off the hinges. And their defense is really bad, and their bench depth is not great. Uh, Brandon Jennings has given you not a ton this year. Um, he was supposed to be the stabilizing force in the uh, on the second unit. Justin Holiday has not been good either. But oddly enough, whenever you put Justin Holiday in with that starting lineup and take out Courtney Lee uh, at the two, the net rating goes through the roof. It's 48.3, and I don't know why um, exactly, but it's only played 15 minutes because, like I said, they're trying to force this starting unit to play so many minutes together. But this looks about like a team with the starting point guard of Derrick Rose at the age that he's at, Joe Kim Noah at the age he's at, and then you throw in Mello and Porzingis, who are obviously supremely talented offensive players but have less than um, an average aptitude on the defensive end, and this is what it looks like. You can fill it up some nights, you can post up very efficiently, but you ain't stopping nobody, and you can't defend the three, which is something that just, you won't be successful in the league if you can't defend the three at an average rate. There's no way around it, and uh, they're one of the worst, so... Mavericks should uh, should launch a lot of threes tonight, get good-looking shots. Um, it's all about can they defend the post? How well can they keep Porzingis and Melo out of the paint on uh, on their defensive end of the court? All right, so 6.30 tonight, Madison Square Garden, Mavs and Knicks. Check it out. The next game will be Wednesday night versus the Celtics uh, over in Boston. 
as we get to a little mini East Coast swing and then back home Friday. So uh, thank you for listening to Locked on Mavs. Tomorrow I think Jake will be back and we'll review the New York Knicks game and talk about those Boston Celtics. Thank you for your time. Feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, thanks again. Bye. Thank you.